On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, could a planned shutdown of the Model S and X line in Fremont hint at the long-awaited refresh of Tesla's two flagship cars? Plus, good news for those of you taking delivery on a new Tesla before the end of the year, England makes a pitch for a Tesla factory and more. friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside Daisy the Boxer for episode 281 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for December 20th, 2020. And uh, there's plenty to get to on this week's show. A couple of catch-up things from last week. And real quick, I wanted to start the show just with a quick mention of my Patreon. I try to usually just keep this to the end of the show, but here uh, at the end of the year, just wanted to mention real quick... Uh, that a lot of work, a lot of time and energy and love and research goes into the podcast. And there is an optional way that you can support it, should you so choose, if you feel that I've earned your support and if, you know, if you're in willing and able to do so. And that is through Patreon, which is a way you can really pledge any amount of money per month. And I've got little uh, rewards tied to each uh, of the various tiers I've got from $5 a month on up where you can support my efforts here on the podcast, again, totally voluntarily, get a little uh, a little perk in return, and help support my efforts. So if that is something that you might want to take a look at, I would be humbled and grateful. You can find all of the information about the Patreon on my Patreon page, which is, naturally, patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There are also annual memberships that give a 5% discount if you just want to pledge once for the whole year as well. All right, let's get rolling first with an update on uh, something I've mentioned a couple of times, including last week, the Tesla World Record Caravan going for the Guinness World Record down in Atlanta. That happened, and I've got an update on that from someone who was there. Say hello to Lynn in Charlotte. Hey, Ryan, this is Lynn from Charlotte, North Carolina. I love your show. I have a 2019 long-range Model 3 with enhanced autopilot and couldn't be happier. I just got back from Atlanta, where the Guinness Book World Record attempt was held for the longest Tesla parade, and they had 340 Teslas show up. It was an amazing thing to be a part of and so much fun to see so many Teslas in one place. Also, more than $8,000 was raised for Operation Underground Railroad, an organization that fights the trafficking and exploitation of children. So hats off to the organizers. I have a suggestion that may or may not be feasible for those times when the driver fails to respond to autopilot reminders to take hold of the wheel. One day while I was driving, I experienced a pretty scary incident. I was suddenly unable to focus and concentrate on what I was doing. My vision was affected and driving became a challenge. Spoiler alert, at the time I thought I might be having a stroke, although it turned out it was just vertigo. Anyway, I was on secondary roads traveling to a home where I had a photography appointment with a client. My thinking at the time, granted not the clearest, was to do my best to get to the house, which was only a few minutes away because at least someone would be there to help me if, indeed, I was in serious trouble. I was using autopilot as much as possible with the thinking that my car would take care of me. If I was to pass out, autopilot would eventually pull over and stop safely should I stop responding. But the drawback was that if that was to occur, 
no one passing me would know that I was in trouble, which is why I was so determined to make it to my destination, which I did. So my suggestion is this. What if, and this could be an option for each individual, the car could be programmed to call a specific number, perhaps 911 or a spouse, in the event of a driver being so unresponsive that the car is forced to pull itself over and stop. Thank you for delivering such great information each week. I learn something new each time and appreciate all of your research and time that goes into Ride the Lightning. Lynn, thank you very much for sharing that quick recap of the Guinness World Record event down in Atlanta. I'm honestly, I am thrilled to hear that they had such a big turnout. Apparently 400 cars registered and 340 showed up. I mean, that's really an exceptional attendance rate. I mean, usually with most Tesla club events, or really not even Tesla, any kind of big non-family group event like that, where there is, at least where there isn't a paid ticket involved, you know, something like a concert, with, with something like that, the turnout might be half of the number of people who RSVP'd yes. So I absolutely love that 340 Teslas turned up that absolutely rocks. Uh, with regard to the second half of your call, Lynn, I think that's an excellent suggestion. It takes a lot, as various YouTube experiments with autopilot have proven, in order to actually get the car to pull over and stop due to a lack of response to the autopilot check-ins. And as such, I think an auto dial-out to 911 or a, a significant other's pre-programmed number uh, that, as you suggested, I think that could be a great safety idea that Tesla should seriously consider implementing, at least optionally, right? So uh, good stuff, Lynn. Thank you very much. Happy holidays to you. And again, I appreciate your call. Uh, real quick, wanted to mention one other quick thing. You can check out Tesla Owners Club events. Speaking of events like that one in the Guinness one now, down there in Florida, you can check out what's going on with Tesla Owners Club events both in your area and around the world by visiting engagetesla.com. So take a look at that if you get a chance. Also, by the way, coming next week, uh, which will be my last podcast of 2020, of course, we'll be rolling right into 2021 after that. But next week will be uh, my annual New Year's predictions for Tesla in 2021. And of course, as is tradition now, I'll go back and recap and score myself on how my 2020 predictions turned out. I confess, as of this recording, I haven't gone back yet and looked to even remember what my 2020 predictions were. So I'm very curious to see if I will have gotten anything right in 2020. But it's always fun to kind of look ahead at the year to come in Tesla. All right, let's get rolling properly with the news here. This first one is a nice one if you are going to be a new owner, and I do mean uh, you either are have just done so within the past few days or are going to in the next few days, and you've got one year of free supercharging. That is back. It is mostly too late to take advantage of it if you do not already have a new Tesla on order, but this comes via a Tesla employee who sent me a screenshot of the internal company communication on this. And it is as such, any existing Model 3 or Model Y order, in other words, a car you've ordered but not yet taken delivery on, except the standard range plus Model 3, that is the lone exception here, 
The, those cars will get one year of free unlimited supercharging provided you take delivery by the end of the quarter, which is of course, December 31st. Tesla's internal communication on this notes that the year of free supercharging ends when ownership transfer takes place or when of course the year is up, whichever comes first. So if you do get rid of the car within the first year, if it's going to somebody else in your family, uh, that could be an issue for your one year of free supercharging. But uh, if you're sitting here thinking, well, wait a second, Ryan, I just took delivery because I've heard from a few of you who've just taken delivery on new cars. If you took delivery on December 12th, when this announcement was made, you should qualify uh, under those same, it doesn't transfer with the car conditions. December 12th or later, if you took delivery on December 11th or earlier, you unfortunately do not qualify. They've got to draw the line somewhere. And what we see here is Tesla pulling a small demand lever. We've seen it before. It, to, sometimes they pull small ones, sometimes they pull big ones. And uh, clearly they were trying to get a few last minute orders for inventory cars. But I'll tell you right now, it's not necessarily too late if you've been thinking about it and you've been on the fence. If you did wanna try and grab a new inventory car from a Tesla store, well, this is the time of the quarter to do it. In fact, in years past, particularly here in Q4, Tesla has gone so far in the past as to sell cars straight off the assembly line in Fremont as the clock nears midnight on December 31st, heading into January 1st. It can get pretty wild. I've never actually been down there for it. Uh, I've done the, the new owner orientation volunteering before, but never on New Year's Eve, but uh, the, the accounts and the pictures and the videos, it can definitely get pretty hectic down there. And, and But in kind of that fun, like, enthusiastic, good-spirited way. You know, you're excited to do this. You know, you're becoming part of this thing you, that you're interested in. So I'll be curious to see if Tesla breaks out that one year of free supercharging again for the end of Q1 in three months from now, since that is, as I seem to be repeating a lot these days, it's, I mean, it's coming up. So it's on, it's on the mind here. Q1, typically the slowest quarter for most car companies, which includes Tesla. Uh, I will say this is the first time that any amount of free supercharging has been widely offered as a perk, really since the major referral program from two years ago. Obviously, the referral program is still going, but it has kind of scaled down, I think it's fair to say. But the, the last time that, a year, that, that any sort of free supercharging time was rolled out wide was a couple of years ago. So congratulations to all of you new owners who are able to get this as what is probably, for most of you, an unexpected bonus. So good stuff. Next up this week, the headline story, as you saw if you looked at the title of this episode, the Model S and X production line in Fremont is seeing a planned shutdown, which begs the question, well, does that mean anything special or is it just a shutdown? The story was first reported by CNBC who said Tesla informed employees in its Fremont, California factory last Friday that its Model S and X electric vehicle production lines will close from December 24th to January 11th 
according to an email seen by CNBC. Employees working on those lines were offered a full week of pay to cover one of the two and a half weeks of the shutdown, along with a few paid holidays. They were asked to take five unplanned and unpaid days off, but have the option to try to find work in other areas of the factory during those days. They were also encouraged to, quote, volunteer to help make electric vehicle deliveries to customers during the shutdown. Well, uh, that is a shutdown, again, of, it's about two and a half weeks. In fact, specifically, it's 18 total days since Tesla does run 24-7. The, they do not shut down on Sundays or any other day of the week. So then it begs the question, could this be a retooling of the line for the long-rumored Model S and Model X refresh? I don't know. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I'll tell you in a second here, but previous rumors have, of course, pointed to a Q1 refresh for quite a long time. Uh, it's It's been a while that, that Q1 2021 has been the, the whisper out there. But for me, I can only speak for myself, I, we're just, we're so at the point of the boy who cried wolf with this <laughs> refresh of these two cars that, quite frankly, I will believe it when I see a new design of the cars. But... That said, doing this now over the holidays would probably be the least impactful time to do it since you've already got planned downtime anyway. And then uh, if you do take a look at the Tesla Design Studio for the S and the X on the website, both S and X show delivery estimates of 8 to 12 weeks if you were to order something today. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that a refresh is on the other side of that for either the S, the X, or both. But, I mean, that could just be indicative of the fact that the the line is going to be shut down for 18 days. When I think about this more, like, all right, could this finally be it? Is this the time? And here's where I land. Here's what we know. The Porsche Taycan is here. The Lucid Air is coming soon. And... The competitive spirit in Elon is very much alive and well. We've seen that in in the past. So Elon might be factoring all that in and might be itching to try to go ahead and just blow those cars out of the water by every perceivable metric from design to features to performance to safety, etc. Now, we know the Plaid Model S is going to aim to do the performance aspect of that, But a redesign, be it interior, exterior, or both, could go a long way towards making sure that any wandering eyes of buyers in that segment, that sort of, you know, large large sedan, full-size sedan, luxury performance sedan segment, that those wandering eyes that might go, hmm, Tycon, or, ooh, Lucid, interesting, have those eyes snap back in Tesla's direction, right back to the Model S. Now, having interviewed, I've had the privilege of interviewing both Elon and Franz. If you're a newer listener to the show, Elon was the interview on episode 200, and Franz was on episode 220, if you uh, wanted to go back and check those out. But I know that for both of them, because I've asked them both this, the Model S remains their favorite car in the entire Tesla lineup. They both have a very, very specific spot in their hearts for the Model S to this day. 
So in that sense, I do think that the S isn't just going to be left to age and eventually get stale, even if the car is uh, today, in, in my humble opinion, still quite beautiful nearly a decade after its debut. So stay tuned to see if anything comes of this. If it does, I think we would likely hear about it in mid to late January because something would probably leak unless Tesla goes ahead and announces it themselves. But this could finally be it, or it might just be a shutdown over the holidays, <laughs> maybe for some line maintenance, or, you know, it might, could be for a million reasons that aren't a refresh. So we'll see. Uh, next up this week, also from CNBC, Elon is doing his usual end of quarter thing, that being to try his best to motivate the Tesla team to give it 110% to try and deliver as many cars as possible and cap off Tesla's fiscal year. Here is the email from Elon to all employees as transcribed by CNBC. The subject line was vehicle production and the body read as follows from Elon, quote, we are fortunate to have the high class problem of demand being quite a bit higher than production this quarter. To ensure that we have the best possible customer outcome and earn the trust of the customers and investors who've placed their faith and hard-earned money with us, we need to increase production for the remainder of the quarter as much as possible. I would only send this note if it really mattered. Super appreciated, Elon. By the way, please send me a note directly if you see ways to improve output, but feel that your voice is not being heard. End quote. Well, I don't have too much to say about this one. Other than, you know, I, I try to do this regularly because I do think it's important. You know, in, in anything in life, for, I can't speak for everybody, but I guess I can speak for myself. I mean, I do my best to show gratitude and to not take things for granted. I think human nature certainly gets the best of me from time to time. And you tend to just, all right, you accept the things that are good and you complain about the things that, that aren't good. But it's, I think it's important to, uh, to call out the good stuff as well as the bad. So with that said, I do want to say a big thank you to the entire team of hardworking Tesla employees because they are out there right now, as you listen to this, they are pushing extra hard in every facet, whether it's production, you know, it's the general assembly, the paint shop, uh, the sales team, the delivery team, all of them, the service team, uh, doing doing deliveries at the service centers, everybody's pushing extra hard here in the holiday season, trying to make that Q4 production and delivery number get as high as possible for the for the for the good financial bottom line of the company. So, to all of you, because I do know that a number of Tesla employees do listen to this podcast from time to time, know that your efforts are appreciated by owners by shareholders, by the brand new owners who are taking delivery from you right now, to everybody. I mean, it's uh, fans of the company, fans of the company's mission, all of us, thank you so much. I mean, it, it's really, I just, I think back to uh, my delivery in July of 2018, which wasn't at the end of a quarter, so it was still pretty hectic, because that was right as production really ramped up on the Model 3. So the day I took delivery, it was a Sunday, and it was very busy at the Fremont Delivery Center, Fremont Delivery Hub. But I think back to my day, 
And it was, I've said this before, I've categorized it like this before, but I think it's like adult Christmas morning. Like it's it's Christmas morning for adults where you just, <laughs> you, you are getting the thing for a lot. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably more likely to be in this group with me where taking delivery of your Tesla is one of the most exciting things that that uh, you've had the privilege of of you know bringing into your life as far as for, from a stuff standpoint it doesn't compare to like of course like a new family member or anything like that but as far as a thing a product you know it's it's an exciting day so uh, to the Tesla employees we are grateful for your efforts you guys are all awesome and thank you now uh, as we'll fast forward to 2021 here in what just over a week's time or so I can't wait to hear exactly where Tesla's production and delivery numbers are going to land for not only this quarter but also then where it where it's going to put us for this full COVID shortened year we lost six well we not we Tesla <laughs> lost six weeks to uh to the shutdown because of the COVID pandemic so te- can Tesla top 500,000 deliveries, which would obviously be the first time they've ever done that? Can they clear half a million? Now, as you may remember, as after Q3, that was going to be a very lofty achievement if they can actually hit 500. So we should know in two episodes of this podcast from now, uh, because Tesla should announce those production and delivery numbers in the first week of January. So stay tuned for that. Next this week, Tesla has been cleared to continue removing trees from the Giga Berlin site, which if you uh, haven't been familiar with this process, the site is actually in a forest. So they've had to clear the site, obviously, and there've been a couple of of, uh, woodland creature related shutdowns there. And now, uh, thankfully, they, they are moving forward The story reported by Tesla Roddy reads in part, The Frankfurt Administrative Court recently allowed Tesla to resume its tree-clearing activities at the Gigafactory Berlin complex, rejecting an urgent application from environmental organizations that called for a stop to the deforestation in the area. As noted in an RBB24 report, environmental associations NABU and the Green League called for a halt in the electric car maker's tree-clearing operations on an 83-acre portion of the Giga Berlin complex. The group stated that animals such as snakes and lizards could be threatened by Tesla operations. Well, again, this isn't the first stoppage. Hopefully it's the last, and hopefully no animals are being harmed. I mean, they're being displaced, but hopefully not harmed during the course of this. But the the, the court there has uh, permitted Tesla to go ahead and continue. Now, speaking of Giga Berlin... Elon commented about that particular new facility this past week, saying, quote, Giga Berlin Brandenburg will be the first to use our new structural battery pack architecture, 4680, world's most advanced cells made on site, both front and rear body castings and advanced paint shop. Warning, with so much new technology, production timing is naturally harder to predict, end quote. Well, as far as we know... Giga Berlin is still on track to start delivering cars by the end of next year, which will be, again, really about exactly one year from right now. 
it is going to be fascinating to not only compare the Berlin-built Model Y, as you heard Elon describe it above, using all of the new toys that Tesla is developing, all the new, the new tech, all the new uh, capabilities and, and features that, that Tesla is implementing from a production and manufacturing standpoint. But uh, yeah, so comparing the Berlin Model Y to the Fremont Model Y, but really it'll also be interesting to compare the Berlin Model Y to the Giga Texas Model Y as well, because that should be in theory the most advanced stuff as well, since that factory is also going up brand new as we speak. And here's a little food for thought. How long will there be a discrepancy between the Model Y versions? And more more to the point, will buyers besides people like us who eat, sleep, and breathe all things Tesla, will, will the average buyer care? And will they even notice I mean, I think the battery cells might be the big one. I mean, how long is Tesla going to want to still be using 2170 cells in the 3 and the Y once the 4680 cells are ramped up production-wise? But the thing is, to switch to the 4680s, you need to have the structural battery pack. And to do the structural battery pack, you're probably going to need the single-piece front and rear body castings. Uh, it just seems like it kind of all fits together. I mean, I suppose the advanced paint shop that Elon mentioned there and has spoken of before, that could be a separate upgrade that's not contingent on anything else. And and we do know, at least with the paint shop, Tesla has already said that the paint shop in Fremont will get upgraded within the next couple of years. So it is uh, it is going to be an adventure to chronicle the advancement of the Model Y and its and its uh, assembly and its manufacturing and to see how quickly that makes its way to the other Model Y manufacturing facilities around the world. In a related story, talking about Tesla factories, Northeast England is making a pitch for a Tesla factory. Tesla Roddy has got this one as well, and they say, Tees Valley Mayor Ben Hochin and Hartlepool Council Leader Shane Moore have expressed their intent to welcome the electric car maker to the Northeast England area. In a letter to Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Hochin and Moore pitched the idea of establishing a gigafactory in Teesside, with officials stating that work on the facility could start as early as February 2021. As noted in a report from the Northern Echo, the officials highlighted that the region offers, quote, Hundreds of acres identified ideal developable uh, developable land with the can-do attitude and political leadership necessary to ensure delivery of major projects, end quote. Hoshin and Moore also remarked that if Tesla decides to build a gigafactory in the Teesside area, the electric car maker will not encounter any of the delays that it has been plagued with at its gigafactory Berlin site. Quote, Site preparation work for Tesla's first European manufacturing plant in Germany has already been halted twice due to legal challenges from environmental campaigners, and it is not hard to see more challenges if the future, which would inevitably, uh, excuse me, in the future is what that should say, which would inevitably put back the start of construction and production. Tesla would not have any of those problems here. We have the land and we have the highly skilled workforce, both for car manufacturing and the battery plant. 
So if Tesla does not want to miss out as other high-end car manufacturers move into electric car space, I would urge the company to look again at T-Side for the plant. And if Mr. Musk and the board at Tesla needs reassuring at how fast we can do things here, I would highlight the fact that we were able to secure planning for four and a half million square feet of manufacturing space, the largest planning application in the north of England, in just four months without a single objection, Hoshin wrote. Well, hey, you've got to shoot your shot, right? I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Now, I'm no expert in manufacturing or shipping, for that matter. In fact, I'm the opposite of an expert in both of those things, really. But I, I do wonder, would England be appealing to Tesla simply because it is a small island country and you'd have to transport a lot of stuff by boat, which takes time and money? But then again... Elon has said that they want to localize production wherever possible. So if you've got Giga Berlin, I'm not entirely sure who an England Gigafactory would quite serve. Because England is a, I mean, it's not a large country. It's a major European country, of course. But, but as far as when you're looking at it from Tesla's perspective about what, you know, what's your footprint going to be for where, this, where, where each factory will serve... I mean, does it make sense to do all right-hand drive vehicle production from an England Gigafactory? Uh, I mean, I kind of doubt it. I mean, I can't imagine it would be more cost-effective to build exclusively right-hand drive cars there and ship them all over the world versus just doing batches of right-hand drive cars in Berlin for the UK, in Shanghai for Hong Kong and Australia, etc., So unless I'm missing something obvious, and by all means, please point it out to me if I am, because it wouldn't be the first time that I missed something. (laughs) I'm not sure, honestly, I'm not sure that this site, that England would necessarily be particularly appealing to Tesla. So we'll see. Uh, But hey, again, I I applaud the civic, the, the local leadership there for trying to get it going. I mean, you want to bring those jobs, you want to bring a an up-and-coming clean energy company like Tesla to your neck of the woods. Absolutely. Next this week, Pete Buttigieg has been named the U.S. Transportation Secretary in the new uh, administration that's taking office in January if the Senate confirms him. Reuters, and I bring this up, you'll hang with me here for a second, because, of course, I I don't want to get political, but I I think there is a Tesla-relevant thing here. In fact... In the Reuters story that I read about this, here's an excerpt from it. Reuters writes, At the Transportation Department, Buttigieg may be charged with overseeing much of Biden's plan to dramatically boost infrastructure spending, including building 550,000 electric vehicle charging stations and boosting spending on high-speed rail and other green projects and persuading Congress to find a way to pay for new spending. He would also have to decide how to oversee self-driving cars and driver assistance systems like Tesla Incorporated's autopilot. And that is why I bring this up. And again, I hope nobody takes uh, anything I'm about to say as political because I don't intend it to be talking purely in the Tesla context here of new government officials coming in. And my my thought here is as follows. 
Uh, number one, objectively, this has direct implications for Tesla. And subjectively, and again, I speak apolitically here, I think Buttigieg is probably good news for Tesla. Because regardless of whether or not you agree with his politic, politics, pardon me, Buttigieg is a smart person. He's a Harvard and Oxford graduate who's also a Rhodes Scholar. And the reason I bring that up is because something that's come up on this podcast and certainly in, within the Tesla community, not just here, something that's come up uh, over the years is, okay, well, when Tesla is finally ready with autopilot, with full self-driving, how long is it going to take for the U.S. government to actually give the regulatory approval as Daisy the Boxer drinks up behind me? And with somebody with the academic background of Buttigieg running that department and being the person in charge of that, I have to believe that Buttigieg would be a guy who you could show him the autopilot data that Tesla publishes every single quarter and he would understand it. He would get it. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I think Buttigieg is probably somebody that you could sit in a full self-driving Tesla with Andre Carpathy, the head of autopilot at Tesla. Carpathy could explain to Pete exactly how the system works and Pete would probably get it. Uh, and, and thus, I think his, his uh, academic background bodes well for Tesla getting that regulatory approval that they're going to need whenever they're ready in a timely fashion. Cause I just feel like, you know, you might think the, the typical government is, Oh, well, they're kind of slow to adopt new technologies and new things. I mean, heck we're, you know, Tesla's is among a number of car companies right now trying to get camera side view, uh, side view cameras, authorized, which they've already done in Europe instead of as an alternative to side view mirrors. And we haven't done that yet. So I do think that there, that, that, uh, if Buttigieg ends up being confirmed and is the U S transportation secretary and Tesla comes ready, ready to roll with full self-driving, I feel like there's a good chance that that regulatory approval could come, uh, a little quicker than we might ordinarily expect from the U.S. government, which is uh, typically a, an entity that does not get things done particularly quickly. Finally this week, I hate to end on some bad news, but you may remember a few weeks ago when I passed along word that those limited run, one-tenth scale remote controlled cyber trucks from Hot Wheels were delayed. But at the time, I'd said that the smaller cheaper, the little, the little 164th scale RC Cybertruck was still due in time for the holidays, AKA now. Well, unfortunately I heard, uh, from Bill from Wisconsin. I also saw a number of this, of people posting this online as well. So it's certainly confirmed, but I'll let Bill from Wisconsin, uh, unfortunately share the bad news on this one. Bill, take it away. Hey Ryan, it's Bill from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Say, I was listening to last week's episode, and you made the note that the uh, one-tenth scale Cybertruck from Mattel uh, Hot Wheels RC car was being delayed, but that the 164th model was still on schedule for delivery in December. 
I'm here to tell you that I received an email today from Mattel telling me that my 164th uh, model is also delayed until May of 2021. Not only that, but they also said, if you still want your order, please uh, click on the link below to let us know that you still want it. So I'm assuming that means if you do not reply to that email, they will just automatically cancel your order. So important that everyone who has one of those on order reads the fine print, because if you don't, you might never get your 164th scale Cybertruck. My wife's is on order. Uh, her real Cybertruck is on order, and I was going to give her her RC Cybertruck for Christmas to hold her over, but now I guess it's going to have to be a 4th of July present or something. As always, thanks for your excellent efforts, and we look forward to hearing, to you, hearing from you again soon. Thank you very much, Bill. Well, I was saddened to hear that now both of these Hot Wheels Cybertrucks are delayed, but, I mean, really, what can you do? And, and I presume that they're reconfirming everybody's orders because it's now going to be such a long wait. It's going to be well over a year. And at that point, some people might not want them anymore. I do appreciate you calling in with this public service announcement, Bill. Uh, more awesome callers and topics are coming up in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Stay tuned right after a word from Lab. Before I move on with the podcast, a big thank you to Teslab for once again sponsoring Ride the Lightning. Now, to remind you what Teslab is all about, it's basically like a fitness tracker for your car, like a Tesla version of a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. Teslab is an incredibly useful app that complements your Tesla ownership experience by helping you see and understand exactly how your vehicle is performing well beyond what the car shows you. And I'm extra proud to have them sponsoring the show again because they have kicked off a fantastic new initiative that I am really, really excited about. There is a new feature in Teslab that calculates the CO2 emissions of your charging sessions. It actually reads from your local utility to determine where the energy is coming from and then calculates your carbon impact. But that's not the awesome part. The really great part of this is that Teslab is partnering with One Tree Planted to allow you to offset the carbon impact of your energy usage if you so choose. It works by choosing the level you want to offset and then submitting payment. You can do this on an ongoing basis or just as a one-time thing. Once your order goes through, they send the funds to One Tree Planted, which helps with reforestation and thus offsetting your carbon impact. So if you're like me and want to make sure you're living as sustainably as possible, check out teslab.app/rtl to learn more. It's free to sign up and you can start planting trees as soon as your first charge. And remember that the Teslab app is free to use for life, but you can upgrade to a pro account for the price of a coffee and get way more out of it. Check it out. That's teslab.app slash RTL, T-E-Z-L-A-B dot A-P-P slash R-T-L. All right, time for the rest of the Ride the Lightning hotline. It is your time to call in with your Tesla comments, questions, discussion topics. And you can dial in in one of two easy ways, and I welcome you to do so. I invite you to do so. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many folks as possible each week. 
and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can also take your 90 second or less question and just leave it as a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. To do that, dial toll-free 1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's one 888 tsla And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted like I do with them, or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with JF in Montreal. Hey, Ryan. JF here from Montreal. I just realized today how important Tesla insurance is to the company, and I wanted to share my thoughts with you and get your opinion. Elon usually shies away from using the SAE levels of autonomy terminology, and he just says FSD capable, which really muddies the water. However, this Tuesday, in an interview, he clearly and unequivocally said he thought Tesla could achieve level 5 by next year. Now, this got me thinking about how it can legally happen on such a short timeline. Now, even if there are several countries or states, such as Florida today, that allow autonomous cars without a driver, is there anything else stopping it from happening? Well, most jurisdictions, including Florida, have mandatory auto insurance. And I think it's also pretty safe to say that insurance companies are quite conservative in nature, and it's unlikely that any of them would insure third-party autonomous vehicles within the next five years. Now, it's possible to go around insurance companies if legislation allows it, like in Virginia or New Hampshire. However, I suspect most people wouldn't be able or even want to take on the risk of self-insuring. The last hurdle would therefore be insurance companies insisting on a person be at the wheel with a valid driver's license in order to insure the car, thus allowing it on the road. This is where Tesla insurance comes in. They would most likely be the only insurance company willing and able to take on their own autonomous cars for quite some time. I think that people wanting to use their FSD Tesla without being present will be forced to get um, Tesla insurance until there are alternatives in the long run. It also gives Tesla a huge leg up on the competition. Not only is their system designed to work anywhere, but they're also doing the legwork to insure it worldwide. Love the show. Take care. Fascinating line of thinking here, JF, and I can't disagree with anything you bring up. You make a lot of sense. I would agree that legacy insurance companies are probably more conservative in nature and are thus likely to react to the needs of fully autonomous level 5 self-driving vehicles and their owners in the early days of that functionality being available. I mean, this might very well be another case of Tesla anticipating a need in the market that's not being filled, and so they are taking it upon themselves to go out and fill that need. Uh, I will say I fully plan to insure my Roadster through Tesla Insurance for largely the same philosophical reason that you bring up, that Tesla will understand that specific car better than the established car insurance companies probably will. Uh, It'll be fun to see how Tesla Insurance evolves in the coming years. Thanks for calling in. Let me go now to Kevin in Charlotte. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, Ryan. Kevin from Charlotte, North Carolina here, and I have two questions this week. First, 
with the Roadster referral reward as a new listener. That's not something that I was aware of. So I'd love to hear the story about how that came to be for you. And even if you want to point me to the episode uh, where that was discussed. And second, I had called in a few months back regarding the long range with acceleration boost versus the performance model three. And I wanted to let you know that I've decided and have placed my order for my refreshed model three performance. Looking forward to having that delivered. But as I wait delivery, I had a question. What are your thoughts on the key fob? I know that the Tesla app and key card are the primary ways to get in the vehicle, but is the key fob worth it? Between valet, service, and possibly my wife using the car on occasion, would the key fob be a worthwhile investment? Kevin, great to hear from you. First, with regard to the Roadster, which I had mentioned a second ago with regard to insurance, the short version is that Tesla's referral program uh, two, three years ago, which I actually mentioned toward the top of the show there, it was, uh, shall we say, more reward-tastic than what it is now. For every referral up to about five, each person involved, both parties, would get something. The person using the code would get, when they were getting their car, would get six months of unlimited supercharging, and the referrer would get a prize. After five referrals, the secret levels would start opening up. And from there, if you could get 50 more referrals on top of the five you already had, each would give you a 2% discount off of a next generation Roadster. So if you got the 50, you'd get 100% off and effectively win the car. And for me, having been fortunate enough to uh, have worked hard for the three years before that to build up an audience with this podcast by putting in the time, putting in the work week after week, year after year. Uh, I was still just in the right place at the right time. I was very fortunate to get enough referrals to win two of them, which bizarrely was really the only way to win one of them because the massive income taxes on both are such that one has to be sold in order in order to pay the taxes on both. But anyway, if you want to hear my uh, very heartfelt but admittedly quite long thank you to the audience, I maybe could have been a little bit more respectful of, of everybody's time with that, but it really was an emotional reaction to a, a life-changing event. But uh, that was episode 171, if you want to go back and listen to that. Now, to your question about the key fob, I will say, I'll be honest with you, I personally don't think it's worth it. I know there are plenty of people that have it and get good use out of it, but for me, the phone works great. I don't feel any desire at all to have a key fob. Now, that said, you mentioned that your wife will drive the car as well. So it might work out for you guys that you know, she uses the fob uh, and you have used the phone and that's easier and each of you's got kind of got their own thing for the car or vice versa. Maybe, you know, she uses her phone, you use the fob. But generally speaking... I really prefer the phone key. I think it's just great. Thanks so much for calling in, Kevin. Bob from Austin is up next. Go ahead, Bob. Hello, Ryan. This is Bob from Austin. I've been thinking about full autonomy and its acceptance by the public. Remember when Tesla car fires would be newsworthy? Well, there are perhaps 185,000 car fires in the U.S. each year, yet we don't hear about those in the news. We hear about the handful of Teslas that caught fire. This gave the impression that Teslas have a fire problem, 
even though the facts of far fewer numbers, plus the fact they're not explosive as our gas cars, show exactly the opposite. I'm going to use round numbers to make my point about accidents. There are approximately 100 highway deaths per day, yet we hear of few, if any, of them in the daily news. If Elon's goal of a 90% reduction in accidents and deaths is met, that would mean perhaps 10 deaths per day in autonomous cars. But each of those would be big news at first. So we would seem to be inundated with stories every single day of people dying in autonomous car accidents. My specific numbers can be challenged, and we, of course, won't instantly transition to all cars being self-driving. But I believe my point is valid. It's hard to counter someone's emotional reaction with facts, as this year clearly demonstrates on a number of fronts. Telling someone the fact that 90 people's lives were saved would not sway some folks who keep reading about self-driving car deaths every day, when today they almost never read of the 100 deaths per day in normal cars. We'll get past this, of course, as we did with Tesla car fires and so many other things in our past. But we need to be be prepared for a bumpy road on the way to life-saving car technology. Great call, Bob. You are totally right. Uh, I guess all I'd really want to add to what you said is that for good or bad, the disruptor paves the way. I mean, you cited an example with the exponentially fewer car fires in electric vehicles, And it brought to mind for me a good example, uh, that being car reservations or car pre-orders. I distinctly remember other car companies and their executives goofing on Tesla, just calling, you know, making fun of them when they had 400,000 plus Model 3 reservations, just writing off like, oh, pre-orders, that that doesn't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. That had never been done before in the car industry. Now... Everyone is taking pre-orders for their hotly anticipated vehicles. So, yes, the road ahead will not be easy. The FUD will always be lurking in some form or another, but the future will be better in the end. Tony is next. It's going to be a new Model 3 owner. Go ahead, Tony. Hi, Ryan. Uh, This is Tony Benitez from... I'm going to be the proud owner of a long-range dual-motor 2021 Tesla Model 3. Uh, I couldn't be more excited to join the community. Uh, I did originally have a pre-order for a Cybertruck, and I called you in when that happened, but the missus wanted to get the 3 sooner rather than the Cybertruck, so we're going with the 3 for now. Uh, We're probably going to qualify for that free year of supercharging, which is pretty awesome. Uh, we're very excited. However, we do have, I have one question. I have, there's so many things, at least from what people are showing, in terms of things you can add to your Model 3. What's the number one thing you think I need to get from my Model 3, whether it's uh, the all-weather mats, a screen protector for the screen, um, anything else you can think of, I'd love to hear from the Tesla community or yourself on what you think is like the number one thing uh, add-on we need to get for the Tesla. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, look forward to listening to the podcast every week and uh, officially being a member of the Tesla family. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Tony, excellent question here, as I'm sure a lot of other new owners might want to hear my opinion on this as well. And of course, to be clear, it is just my opinion. There are many, many, many great third-party and aftermarket products out there. Well, not even just third-party. Some of them are official Tesla ones, but uh, I will give you three. I'll give you three that I think are great. One, 
is the pure Tesla kit for the dash cam and sentry mode. That's a long-term solution. Uh, you'll hear the plug for that at the end of the show, but puretesla.com slash RTL on that uh, if you want to pick one up. But that, again, it's a long-term solution. It's only 50 bucks. I would highly recommend that. Then you just don't really have to think about the dash cam and sentry mode. It's just going to work for you. It's going to be uh, a helpful security feature. Second is something that you mentioned, the all-weather floor mats. Now, there are a couple of official Tesla versions on the Tesla online store now, plus a whole host of third-party ones. Uh, I have the official Tesla, which, by the way, the, actually the, the official Tesla ones are made by WeatherTech, but I have the Tesla uh, all-weather interior mats for the Model 3. There are also the all-weather floor liners, which have higher walls on them uh, for the you know the, the walls of the the you know bottom of your footwells there uh, where there's carpeting. Now, for me, being here in San Francisco, I don't need those higher walls since I'm I'm not in a wintry climate where I'd be bringing more you know snow and mud and such into the car. Uh, but I'll tell you, I like the all-weather interior mats so much that I leave them in year-round. They are permanent in my car. I When I got them, I had intended to only use them during the rainy season here in Northern California, but I really love the look of them a lot, and they're easy to clean, so I'm just leaving them in all the time. So I definitely uh, would recommend whichever of uh, some kind of all-weather mat whether you go first party or third party on that, whichever you know variant you like, you got you're spoiled for choice on that one. Third, I would say some amount of paint protection film on the car if you have room in your budget after buying the car. I realize paint protection film is not cheap, uh, but the reality is the front of these cars are nothing but paint. Uh, paint. There, there's no grill up there. To uh, for for you know those various bits of road debris, little pebbles and things to to hit off of, and for you to not notice, it's all paint. So for me, I don't want any rocks literally chipping away at the paint on the front end of my car and and the hood, because I made that mistake with my last car, my Infiniti G thirty five coupe. I had uh, now granted that that was two thousand six and. I mean, nobody was doing full body paint protection film back then, really, except the like ex- crazy expensive exotic cars. Uh, but but I had a I had a clear bra on it, just the just like the f- the front of the car and the first quarter or third of the hood. And what do you know? Like before too long, and certainly after ten years of actually, well, I had had the car for twelve years, and there were just so many little rock chips up the hood. It just, it annoyed the heck out of me. So, uh, you know, you don't, again, you don't have to get the whole car wrapped in the paint protection film, but again, if you can budget it, just doing the front of the car up to the, to, to the side view mirrors, you will protect yourself and head off a lot of those just tiny little road projectiles. So, uh, bottom line here, congratulations on your imminent delivery. May you and your wife always drive that car in good health. Let me go next to Sims Clark from New Jersey, my home state. Go ahead, Sims Clark, a.k.a. John. Ryan, I wanted to take an advantage of blending your two worlds together. I'm curious why we have not seen 
uh, Tesla in a mainstream video game or any video game in quite some time. I know a, I believe it was a Model S appeared in Forza 4, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that's about it. And I'm kind of shocked, you know, with Tesla being uh, on the West Coast and very video game friendly and Turn 10 being on the West Coast, why Tesla wouldn't continue to appear in Forza games and certainly why we're not seeing Teslas in other racing games as well. I wonder, and this is a little conspiracy theory-esque, but are the, you know, legacy manufacturers putting pressure on uh, the video game developers, the ones that license out their cars, uh, to not have Teslas in the game because it's such a stark example of the value performance proposition that Tesla brings to the table versus, uh, you know, other ICE vehicles. And if developers went so far as to put other uh, EV cars from other manufacturers in game as well. Sorry for the rambling message, but I'd love to get your take uh, with your expertise, both in the video game industry and your years of Tesla fanboyism uh, to, to get you to weigh in on that. Thanks so much. Thank you, John. Obviously, this is a topic near and dear to me. What I can tell you is that it is absolutely not any sort of coordinated effort by other automakers to keep Tesla out of these video games. That's just not how this works. The game makers go out and try to license the use of these cars from the car companies. So Microsoft pays McLaren to put the Senna on the cover of Forza Horizon 4, for instance. It's simply up to Tesla to work out a deal with Microsoft or Sony or whomever. If there was a way for me to help put Tesla people in touch with Microsoft people to try and make that happen, I would be over the moon and delighted to do so. Uh, if I could play matchmaker on that, believe me, I'd be thrilled. As you noted, this this is the ultimate Venn diagram overlap of my two worlds, video games and Tesla. So uh, good stuff. Thank you so much. Michael from Milbray is next. Go ahead, Michael. Hey, Ryan, it's Michael from Milbray. I had a question about third party apps like Teslab and others. I've been tempted to install them for years, but I feel anxious about giving access to my car to random developers. Theoretically, someone could see where my car is, come to it, unlock it and steal my belongings. Uh, presumably, they couldn't steal the actual car without having the password, which you have to re-enter in the Tesla app to start it. But it still feels like a big risk. So. I guess my question is, do you or your tech-savvy listeners or even app developers listening have any advice or details that could reassure someone concerned about the security implications of these third-party apps? I understand they don't see the password, but there's still a lot you can do with authenticated access. Um, thanks for everything. Take care. I'll be honest with you, Michael. I share the same concern. I had that exact exchange with the Teslab folks before I checked out the app for myself, and I was impressed enough to want to go ahead and partner up with them as a sponsor. Here's what they told me, which, by the way, is also on their website. And, and by the way, while we're just using Teslab as an example here, I believe this basically applies to all of the third-party Tesla apps, at least 
hey, all the reputable ones, which <laughs> to my knowledge, they're all reputable. But anyway, uh, if you go to teslabapp.com slash app slash FAQ, you can see it. Uh, and, and that FAQ is linked at the very upper left corner, right on their homepage, if you happen to be looking at it on a desktop computer. There is a whole section on security and safety, which I, I certainly was uh, eager to read through. And it reads in part the question, do you store my Tesla password? How are tokens handled? And their answer is absolutely not. In fact, we never send your Tesla username or password to our, uh, to our servers in any way. Teslab asks you to log into your Tesla account so we can establish a connection with your car. That login handshake is performed entirely on the Tesla website directly from your mobile device over a secure connection. Teslab servers are not involved in that process in any way. The password is not saved on the device, nor is it ever sent to Teslab servers. Upon logging into your Tesla account, Tesla responds with an authorization code. Teslab then exchanges this authorization code for an authentication token. This token is sent to Teslab servers, uh, encrypted, saved on your Teslab account, and then is used for all API requests going forward, end quote. So, uh, Michael, I hope that helps. Believe me, I totally get the security concern, but at least in Teslab's case, they very clearly and thoroughly explained exactly how it works. So I hope that helps. I've got, uh, let's see, I think was it one more caller this week, Mike from Grand Rapids. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, Ryan. This is Mike from Grand Rapids calling from beautiful northern Michigan, where we've received a recent snowfall. I'm driving in my new 2020 Model S, and something has covered up the front radar. The roads are damp, but they are not snow-covered where I am, and I've lost, completely lost, all full self-driving capability. Uh, Not only that, but, you know, regular auto steer and any cruise control whatsoever. And what I would really like to see is for Tesla in this circumstance, if the radar fails to uh, be able to set the car to a certain speed, just like I had back in the 1980s. Um, maybe called 80s cruise control. Because I do have a bit of a lead foot, and the car rides so smoothly that I find myself constantly speeding, uh, despite my best efforts to stay close to the speed limit. And so I think that's an important thing that I'd like to see Tesla add if they can. The other thing is... Um, I sold my 2016 Model S to buy a new Model S, and I really love it, except for Santa mode has changed. And uh, the old Santa mode, my car would appear as Santa Claus, and other cars would appear as reindeer. And uh, the new Santa mode doesn't do that. So that's the only disappointment. Um, Thanks for the podcast and all you do. Take care. Bye. Mike, thank you for calling in. Yeah, the Santa mode has changed for everyone via software, I do believe. I agree that it's not quite as, uh, shall we say, festive as it used to be. Uh, Regarding your cruise control issue as a result of your obstructed front radar, I tell you, I could swear that the front radars were heated on the newer Teslas to to try to prevent this from happening. Although, uh, you said it wasn't, it just, you said it wasn't snowing, it was just damp, so, hmm, I don't know. For what it's worth, I do completely agree with you in that cruise control should still be doable, 80s style, even if even if autopilot features are currently unavailable for whatever reason. Now, on the plus side, uh, I am confident that you're going to get the feel for your new Model S soon so that uh, you're not doing as much accidental speeding. I mean, I, I remember back when I first spent serious time in a Model S, which is when I reviewed one 
for my at my day job at IGN over the course of uh, I had it for three days was it from Tesla it's back in 2013 May of 2013 and I had the same experience it was because it was a p85 it was just insanely easy to speed because of how smooth and quiet and powerful the car was uh, on a side note by the way because that 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 review of the Model S, it's long. It's like, I want to say it might be like a 2,000 word review. It, I'm re- I still, I remain really proud of that. It predates this podcast by quite a lot. It's long before I ever owned a Tesla. And uh, I have to say, like IGN, we cover tech, but we never covered anything like that before, like a, a, a car as technology. And I convinced my bosses that we should do it. And then I convinced Tesla to lend us a car. And I'm just, I love how it turned out. In fact, I honestly think my review, I say this humbly. I I don't, I hope this doesn't come across egotistically. But if you go back and look at the original Model S reviews from car, from like enthusiast car websites and magazines that were hitting in, again, 2013, in the beginning of the Model S days, relatively speaking, I feel like my review might have been more knowledgeable about the car than most of the than most of the other ones because those were car guys coming at it like as a new thing. I was like a Tesla fanboy who was who was coming at it with all this information, but not as much of the say the regular car experience, I guess. But anyway. All that is to say that uh, I have got the feel for the speed in the car now in the in the Model 3 performance that I am now lucky enough to own, and I'm I'm uh, confident that you will too. And and by the way, for those wondering, well, wait a second, didn't Mike just say that he had a Model S before? Well, yeah, but a 2016 Model S had a zero to sixty time of about four point two seconds, which. Uh, a 2020 Model S, even if it's not the performance, is in like in the mid threes. So it's a pretty big adjustment, even going from a a few years old Model S, you know, four year old S to a brand new one. It's a big difference. Thanks, Mike. Thanks to everybody who called in this week. Keep them coming. I'd love to hear from you. I gave you the call in info at the top of the show, and we will get back to the phone calls next week. Although I do have one more call for you coming up in just a couple minutes, that being the pro tip of the week. So stay tuned for that, plus a bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out quick video game recommendation for you for this week if you're interested call of the sea it's available on xbox game pass for xbox one or the xbox series x or s and also pc fantastic first person narrative adventure game just finished it with my daughter actually right before recording the podcast and i loved it good stuff pro tip of the week time kevin from longmont colorado go ahead kevin hi ryan This is Kevin from Longmont, Colorado with a Tesla tech tip for you and the rest of the Ride the Lightning gang. As most of us know by listening to your podcast, the car's Tesla cam requires an external storage device to 
store captured Tesla cam video footage. We also know that if you use a standard flash or jump drive to store this information, you may have trouble reclaiming your videos at a critical point sometime in the future. Why, you ask? This is due to the flash drive's memory cells wearing out from excessive writing and rewriting of video information from the multiple Tesla cam feeds. If you find yourself needing to recover your video data but are unable to by conventional means, may I suggest you try a utility from the Gibson Research Corporation called SpinWrite. While SpinWrite was initially designed to recover data from unreadable hard drives, it has proven to be an effective tool in recovering data from unreadable solid-state drives and flash drives, too. You can learn more about SpinWrite by going to www.grc.com. That's www.grc.com. If you haven't reached that unreadable point with your current flash drive, may I suggest that you opt for a better solution like Pure Tesla's Tesla Cam USB. This USB device uses micro SD storage which is far more robust for this type of application. Thank you, Ryan, for your dedication to bringing the Tesla community a truly informative podcast. Take care. This information could be a real difference maker for somebody, depending on the situation, Kevin, so I thank you for it. Stay tuned for my weekly plug of pure Tesla so that this issue never happens to you. But in all seriousness, I very much appreciate the constructive solution here in case that problem does arise. Kevin, thank you so much. And again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, send it in. Same way that the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls come in, either via email or via the toll-free number. And with that, time to move on to some plugs, and then I'll get on out of here for the week first. I want to mention abstractocean.com, 15% off of your order via the coupon code RTLPODCAST. Plug that in there after you've got your cart piled high. Head to checkout, throw that coupon code in, get that nice discount there. There's uh, so much stuff over there. The tempered glass screen protectors for the 3 and the Y, the center console wraps, the rear footwell lighting kit, which looks great, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, all kinds of stuff, abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, you've got the snap plate, the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds for people like me that hate a front license plate bracket. Get yours for any of the Tesla models, S3, X, or Y, at, <coughs> pardon me, at livingtesla.com slash RTL. And then you've got Immaculate Reflections, They have a discount for listeners of this show. So if you're going to be in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, with your car, whether you live here or are just going to be here, and you'd like to maybe do paint correction, 
maybe paint some paint protection film, maybe a ceramic coating, maybe some combination of those. Get on into Immaculate Reflections. I guarantee that both you and your car will be uh, treated like royalty. Jeff is just a wonderful human being and an incredibly talented detailer. So check out his website. That's also where you can book in with him, get in contact with him. That website is irdetailing.com. And I mentioned Pure Tesla earlier in the show, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Go to puretesla.com slash RTL for that. And then uh, my friends at Jada, they've got the wireless charging pad for the Model 3. They've got the USB hub for the 3 and for the Y. If you use the coupon code JADA5, so J-E-D-A and the number 5, that will get you a very nice extra good holiday discount. And if you're going to purchase one or more of those products, I politely, humbly ask that you use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash 8. Jada spelled J-E-D-A. And one more time, I mentioned at the top of the show, the Patreon. I gave you the spiel at the top, so I'll spare it to you here. But if uh, one more time, the URL on that, if you would be so kind as to take a look at the Patreon page sometime. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Subscribe if you don't already, because it's free, and it just means the podcast will find you every time there's a new episode, rather than you having to go find it. You can subscribe on pretty much all the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in, which, yes, is in your car. You can go find the show right directly in the car. Uh, Spotify, I'm also on YouTube in just audio-only format. Uh, For YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla. Throw that Tesla in there so that you don't get Metallica stuff. Although, hey, maybe you want to listen to some Metallica too. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I'm pretty much, I'm all over the place wherever you prefer to listen to the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram, if either of those social medias interest you. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both of them. And that will about wrap it up. I want to start by thanking my newest Maximum Plaid tier backer, H. Jackson Wallace. Thank you so much. Along with the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Nydig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, and Howard Anthony Smith. Thanks to all of you sincerely for the maximum plaid pledge. Meanwhile, the plaid level folks also, I uh, owe a sincere thanks and a shout out. My newest plaid backer, Welcome back to Scott Gillis. Thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate your support. And then the rest of the Plaid Level crew, thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, 
Will Stedman, E.V. Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Ish, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Eric St. Pierre, and the Tesla Owners East Bay Club. Thank you all so very much for your continued Patreon support. And thanks to all of you for listening, for giving me, uh, I guess, what's been about an hour and 15 minutes or so this week, a a nice uh, meaty episode. We'll see how much there is to talk about next week, but I do want to emphasize I will be here uh, with a new show. There will not be any gaps or anything. I'm here every single week. That is always the the intention, and for five years I've I've been able to keep that up. Well, more than five years now. So uh, we'll see. I mean, in the world of Tesla, tends to never be slow. Although hopefully I didn't just jinx it. I'm going to knock on some wood my desk. But yes, so I will be back. Regular episode. Basically, just assume uh, that the the show will always be here every Sunday with a new episode because it is. I don't take weeks off. Uh, that is always my goal. So with that, uh, I wish you all a happy holiday, but I'll be back. It'll still technically be the holiday season on next week's show. One more episode for 2020 before we roll into what should be a very exciting 2021 in the world of Tesla. So for a snoring Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 281, and I'll see you all next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.